Texas Business Minds, a presentation of the Texas Business Journals, brought to you by Texas Mutual Insurance Company, a workers' comp provider committed to helping companies build a stronger, safer Texas. In this episode, Austin Business Journal Managing Editor Will Anderson welcomes Amy Stedman, founder and chief operating officer of Future Proof Brands, creators of the popular Beatbox Party Punch. Stedman and friends received national attention in 2014 on ABC's Shark Tank, receiving a $1 million investment from Mark Cuban. Thank you so much, Amy, for joining me here. It's a pleasure to have you on. Hi, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. What have you been up to lately? Oh, gosh, nothing's different. Nothing's new and completely changed, right? Put my finger on something. It's, it's <laughs> been going on. Yeah, what? Uh, so you are with uh, Future Proof, right? And that's now kind of the parent company for these multiple adult beverage brands. Yes. And yeah. um, so we, are, we are in the alcohol beverage industry and we make innovative beverage brands for the next generation of drinkers. So our primary product line is Beatbox Beverages, which is the world's tastiest portable party punch. So we took the boxed wine category and innovated it to create party punch. So, you know, selling alcohol beverages, we mostly were selling in grocery stores, convenience stores, and liquor stores. So, you know, this year there have been many changes and one of them is that all of the drinking occasions have been shifted completely to those channels, right? So we're one of the few companies, I think, that actually has a a pretty silver lining uh, coronavirus story. So thank you so much for asking me about it. Yeah, definitely. It's I think a, a lot of people know you for the beatbox. Of course, you were on Shark Tank a number of years ago, and I got hooked up with Mark Cuban that way. But you do have, I mean, you guys got into the hard seltzer craze now, right? With Brizzy, um, you've got you got other products coming out. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, what else you do besides beatbox? Absolutely. So in the alcohol industry, you know, it's a little different from coming out with a, a widget and selling it online, right? We have to go through the three tier system, and so. My product is a wine-based product that's actually sold by beer distributors. We're on the same trucks as malt beverages and beer. And so our company actually creates innovative products for beer distributors as well as for end consumers, right? We don't have just one customer. And so our innovations, Brizzy and Corkless, are in really high growth categories, but we are creating products that are new and different that don't already exist. Brizzy is our cocktail seltzer. So this is taking craft cocktail trends and spirits and giving those opportunities to now beer wholesalers or the, you know, the, the refrigerated part of a grocery store rather than a, you know, a craft cocktail bar. So that is the inspiration behind that brand. And then with Corkless, it's alternative packaging wine. So canned wine, also looking at box wine as well for that brand. And so educating consumers about how it's a more eco-friendly choice, but also presenting opportunities on a B2B side for those beer wholesalers to go out and grab wine occasions as well as Brizzy for spirits occasions. So there's some really cool things we're doing on the consumer side. And then there's that sort of B2B story as well that's going on there. Now I've seen drinking is up during the pandemic. You know, some studies point to over adults over 30, it's up 14% among American adults over 30. Um, but, you know, pick your study and there's all sorts of different 
ways to gauge that. Have you seen that increase in your sales and in consumption in your drinks? Absolutely. So we have an affordable brand. It's a fun brand. It's got packaging that you can take outdoors. And so I think during coronavirus, all of those kind of things together have been what have made consumers pick our products when they're looking for those products in the store. We're a lightweight package that can go to parks and go kayaking with you and things like that. So with those being the only real safe activities for people to enjoy their recreation time, like we're seeing that we're winning on those occasions. And yeah, we're affordable too. I mean, this is a, a, a very uncertain time for a lot of people financially. And so you're seeing people move to more value and, and value premium products where they might have been spending more money potentially at, you know, bars or buying more premium type products in the past. So, you know, those are kind of two big trends that we've seen for us as well. That makes a lot of sense. You talk about recreation and still doing things that you can manage to get out and do and still be safe and then socially distance in those cases. A big part of the beatbox kind of marketing it that I always thought was pretty brilliant was packaging, not just the drink, but actually selling kind of the experiences, you know, selling, selling the fun and, and uh, you know, a beatbox with kind of its fun, playful colors and schemes and designs. It, a lot of it seemed to be about, yeah, the experiential side. So how do you target uh, something like that during a pandemic to change messaging and, and, to, and to change the marketing around what people, what do you want people to be thinking about doing when they're, when they've got a beatbox? Right. So, you know, if you saw our Shark Tank episode, Mark Cuban on there says, you guys don't sell wine, you sell fun. And then you can hear me in the background say, he gets it. You know, like that's what we've been trying to do this whole time. I mean, be behind any company and any brand are people that are trying to connect and, you know, express themselves in this world. And, you know, I think with trying to be more eco-friendly and trying to do all the right things by our consumers, I think one of the most important things and coronavirus has really exposed this is that people really need fun and laughter and joy. And that's what, you know, our group of founders really wanted to create in the world with our brand. And so we wouldn't be here unless we were inspired by that authentic desire to just have fun with people and make somebody's day brighter, you know, and we used to be able to do that in person at music festivals and dance with our fans and talk to people and just make drinks for people. You know, that's what we love to do. Coronavirus has really challenged that. And my big credit to my marketing team of completely switching to a digital first strategy. So one of the things that we've done to, you know, really integrate ourselves in the world of music and fun and festivals is bring on artists to actually be investor partners in the brand. And so we have a lot of DJs that were headlining festivals like Coachella and things like that, that had an empty calendar this summer, to be frank with you. And yeah. so, you know, we went out and created something called the Virtual House Party. And we challenged all of our fans, hey, just because everything's canceled, fun isn't canceled. Show us how you beat boring at home, you know, beatbox at home. And, you know, we got all kinds of video submissions of people flying beatbox around with their drones in their backyard to having parties on, you know, with their roommates and doing funny things. And, and that's what we used to kind of build that happiness and and build that closeness with our customers while we all had to be apart from home. And then the virtual house party was a, a live streaming event where we coordinated our DJ investor partners and shine a light on some up and coming artists. 
um, to raise money for ACLU. It was seen by more than a million people because it was promoted by Mixmag Magazine as well as all the artists involved. And so previously we'd be dancing with tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people at a music festival and, and getting exposure for our brand that way and connecting with our fans that way. And now we're doing that online the best that we can as all entrepreneurs have had to innovate this year, right? Yeah, no, that's great. The the virtual house party. I mean, who would have thought that we'd all be sitting at home, maybe watching concerts or uh, things of that nature, but it seems normal now. I mean, it's, it's a, you know, look forward to that on a Friday afternoon all of a sudden, whereas, yeah. It's almost kind of turning like the home watching experience of sports, but now for, you know, all kinds of live entertainment. Great, great comparison to the sports. That's one of the few places that people were still gathering to watch live TV. And now we can see that, uh, yeah, with concerts being streamed and broadcast at people's homes or, uh, you know, I've seen some cool stuff too with um, virtual reality concerts. There's some companies even, uh, here in Austin that, that have been working on tech like that. I don't know if you guys have ever looked into sponsoring kind of like a VR DJ set. Yeah. We're all about finding ways to have fun, right? And, and supporting the development of that. So we are all excited about all the things that have come online. Let's talk a little bit about, um, I noticed that you guys had an equity crowdfunding campaign, right? Through WeFunder? Yes. That is a, um, I mean, there's been news around that that we've reported on some of the rule changes around the maximums that can be raised through equity crowdfunding. It's been increasingly tapped by a lot of brands, especially consumer facing ones like yours. But I've seen you guys do, um, uh, you know, other financing deals and I was a little surprised to see the equity crowdfunding, um, but the campaign now has raised about $670,000, I think I want to say at my last checking. So mm-hmm. a big chunk of change. What were you thinking to, uh, to go down this route? Yeah, you know, the rules on it have been changing. You know, like you just said, the the maximum amount that you can raise just increased from, you know, about a million dollars to now $5 million as of this year. So this is a new and up-and-coming opportunity for entrepreneurs. So I've been fundraising for my company since 2012, call it, right? So for the past eight years, I've been sitting in coffee shops and reaching out to people online And, you know, speaking with anybody, right? Because when you're an early stage CPG company, more often than not, it's angels and super angels that get you to that next stage where you're eligible for, for, you know, more institutional funding or whatever, right? And this whole time, we're raising money from accredited investors. So these people are millionaires, right? And so it's an interesting process as a, you know, as a founder who's a female, an immigrant, you know, it's, it's a... you, you see these worlds of wealth that are accessible to you, but only if you engage with it in a very specific structured way, right? Um, and so this crowdfunding opportunity, you know, one being an alcohol beverage company, there's all kinds of laws and compliance that come along with that that make it difficult to take on a new owner in the business because we have to make sure there's no three-tier laws and all that kind of stuff. Recently, crowdfunding has made it easier where, you know, our campaign through WeFunder on our cap table, there's just one entity that's owning all of those uh, investors. And so that was really a key thing that finally made it possible for us to be able to even do this. But we always wanted to because it democratizes who can be part of the success of the brand. And our customers, we would love for them to grow with us. And we're the fastest selling wine product, single serve wine product in the U.S., 
And we have a rabid community that's been supporting us this whole time that we would love for them to be financially successful with us as we grow, you know, and, and as they invest in us, that also creates really big brand ambassadors for us. I mean, there's almost 500 people now that have skin in the game in our company and are going to be out there promoting us much more than they probably would have been otherwise. So it's a win for us on a community engagement level. And I get to raise money without having to go to 50 coffee shop meetings and and uh, hope that somebody wants to talk to me, you know, afterwards or whatever. Like, I just appreciate the fact that it opens you up to the whole world if you might be interested in this, right? Yeah, it's, I mean, I get your point, whereas, well, just future-proof beatbox, really known for connecting with your fans, like you said, at music festivals, etc. Um, so why not connect with fans directly for those that want to, yeah, as you said, have skin in the game. That makes a great, you're not just a customer that you, you, it's, it's a different level of relationship. Right. And as a consumer product, like why wouldn't you want to raise money from the people that are buying you in the stores? That's just, it just makes too much sense. Right. I mean, I think it's a really awesome opportunity and, you know, now that we've done it and been through the process of figuring it all out, I think a lot of founders are still kind of shy on it because it's so new. It's almost like, you know, when, when we first were able to trade stocks for the first time, uh, without a broker, right? Like everybody's like, oh, how do we do this? But I, I hope that it will become the dominant way that people raise money in the future because it's it's a much easier process for the founder's perspective and, and uh, to bring in, like I said, a, a diverse and, and big variety of investors to help promote. I wasn't even thinking about the cap table. That's a really interesting point where it's uh, maybe a little more s- simplified if mm-hmm. you're not, where it's just going to be one pool, I guess, of shares that will then be issued and, and it, it so it doesn't dilute as much maybe as going to a bunch of different angels is am i reading that right i'm, I'm not you know i'm not I mean, the, the equity dilution is is the same it's just like managing a, sending out tax documentation to 500 individual entities versus just one like from managing that as a founder right like there's there's things about taking on a lot of investors that is intimidating to small companies because of the admin involved. Yeah, great point. The experience so far, like I said, over around 670,000 raised. Oh, by the way, what's your goal? Do you have an idea in mind of how much you'd like to hit? You know, for non-accredited investors, until the rule changed, the, the limit was a million. And so about a million. So that's what we have it set to right now. So we're really excited that we're already approaching that with it only being open for one month. So, yeah, we're very encouraged and we're excited to see who else wants to come in and, and support the next generation of the business. We're, we're, we're approaching profitability now, but raising the money is great. And if we can raise more money, that means we can hire more people and, and go even faster. So. Amy Stedman joining Austin Business Journal Managing Editor Will Anderson. In our next segment, Stedman looks to the future and shares plans for continued growth when Texas Business Minds continues. I'm Rich Gregasco, President and CEO of Texas Mutual Insurance Company. To everyone who has been hard at work providing the things we need during this crisis, we say thank you. You truly are essential and we're proud to be on the job with you. More at TexasMutual.com slash on the job. 
continuing our conversation on Texas Business Minds as Austin Business Journal Managing Editor Will Anderson connects with Future Proof Brands founder and Chief Operating Officer Amy Stedman. Tell me what that's been like approaching profitability during this um, difficult year. Uh, and maybe we can also seg into your plans for 2021. Are things looking, looking up for you next year? Yeah, we've made some major changes. We've grown a lot, right? So 2018, we did about 2.3 million in sales, 2019, 4.5. And then this year, we're looking between 7 and 8 million. Next year, probably 16 plus. And with that growth comes opportunities to fix our margin, basically. And so this year has been all about, I know every company has been looking at every single dollar and trying to be as conservative as possible, just given the financial environment we're in, right? And so we've taken some steps. We've also optimized things in our supply chain to where our margins are much higher than they used to be and and, and making even further improvements to where they're really top of industry margins. And, and just as an entrepreneur, my whole time in this company, I was our entire operations department. You know, we, we invested first in sales team and marketing and, you know, because that's really what drives the growth of the business, right? And so Amy Stedman was everything but sales and marketing for like the first six years of the company. But as we've grown, I've also been able to invest in the extraordinary talent, which has also been able to unlock some of these things that I'm talking about. So it's all just about trying to bring in the best possible people that you can for where you are as a company. And we're just had such an incredible year where we've had that growth that's finally been able to unlock some of these major talent hires and margin and, and everything. And it's just going. So it's been, like I said, a, a silver lining year for us. And because we've had success, we want to turn around and, and help other people too. And and that's how we've been uh, able to do some of these virtual events and, and raise money for others and things like that as well. So, Yeah, that's awesome. Given, you know, creating jobs, giving back through those events. That's fantastic to hear. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's, a, it's an opportunity and a blessing. You know, it's like if anybody has opportunity right now, we, we have to go for it hard so that we can lift up our whole community, right? For sure. Take me back a little bit in time. You've been doing this. Um, what, you guys found the company, what, uh, 10, 10 years ago? Almost 10 years. Yeah. I think our official LLC birthday is um, just five days ago in 2011. So almost uh, exactly nine years ago when we got the LLC filed. Well, happy belated birthday. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So there have been, I mean, I've covered uh, Future Proof and Beatbox a little bit along the way. There was the name change. There were the new products. Looking back now, what's your takeaway? Has it been harder than you thought to build this thing? Yeah. You know, I didn't really know anything about the alcohol beverage industry before we started this thing. Right. And, yeah. and, and I have kind of come from a context here in Austin and just from my own personal career from like tech startups and what the, that kind of path looks like. Right. When you were talking about widgets earlier, you literally, you're talking from experience about building more, yeah, software kind of less physical things. Yeah. Like software or just something you could sell online too, which would, uh, would be, you know, more quick to scale. Right. But when you have to go through the retail business model, it's just got its own set of things to learn. And so I think just us being industry outsiders, we 
you know, we learn the industry. And I think it's a benefit to our business model that we weren't industry people because everything we're doing is innovative and everything we're doing is kind of pushing the industry forward because we have that outside perspective. But, you know, I think just the alignment of now we have all these incredibly industry people and we just hired Tony Zangaro as a VP um, you know, sales at Founders Brewery, one of the biggest craft beer companies in the country. And now he's leading sales for us. And, uh, you know, like I said earlier, I brought in a VP of ops and, and, you know, more people, the ops team, our VP of marketing is Hannah Swanson, who was at Tito's for six years. I don't know if you've heard of them, but they've done very well for themselves. (laughs) Um, So, you know, just, just having that combination of, innovative millennial founders that are looking at this industry and saying, this isn't working for the millennial and Gen Z consumer. We need to change some things and having that industry expertise. And now, you know, that we know how things are done. We're just able to get those innovations through this industry in an effective way. That outsider perspective can be so valuable, especially I'm thinking, you know, of a little bit of a, a little more conservative industry like alcohol, you know, as you said, it's got the three-tier distribution or three-tier uh, regulatory system. So coming in with, I want to say this right, uh, nothing to lose kind of, or just, yeah, no no preconceived notions, let's put it that way, of how mm-hmm. it should be run. Yeah. And I think, you know, this year, like we said earlier, they're, they're, everybody has been pushed more digital, more e-commerce, think differently. So that doesn't escape the alcohol industry. You see companies like GoPuff are exploding with their rays and now just bought all of the California Bevmos. And for my industry, the experience of somebody on like a GoPuff app, right? They're, they're ordering alcohol beverages and snacks and they're arriving within 30 minutes or less time. Like that is an incredible consumer experience. And so now that that is just for the first time kind of becoming like an opportunity for a lot of customers as an alcohol beverage brand, we could maybe with a very great partnership kind of imitate that seamless direct to consumer experience of like, Hey, you just found us. You think we're cool. You want to try us? Okay. You can have it tonight kind of thing and never leave your couch. Like we are still figuring that out as an alcohol beverage industry, but I think this year has really pushed us forward there. Yeah, it's kind of like a great leap forward where I think maybe the tea leaves are pointing that way. A lot of people thought there would be a little bit of loosening of regulations to allow that kind of direct-to-consumer experience, but mm-hmm. they really boosted that by uh, by a considerable amount of time. Yeah, and there's other, you know, like we have e-commerce now available where it's shipped to your home, but it does take a little bit longer to get there. And, you know, it's not that uh, just-in-time model that, may be available through these retailers that are now going online versus the brands being the one that are responsible for that whole chain. So it's just really interesting. We're, we're excited to try all the new and latest things and be part of the generation of brands that, you know, are just like, yeah, of course it should be like that. Like, why isn't it like that yet? And just kind of demand it from our industry and pull it forward. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, Just another thing about your entrepreneurial journey What's the biggest misconception about your job you think that people have? It's hmm, a good question. I think. Do they ever think you're just out partying all the time and it's, it's the easy, <laughs> easy street? I will say like Shark Tank 
because everybody watches it, there are a lot of assumptions that come with being a Shark Tank company. For sure. Um, so, yeah, the biggest misconception that, you know, I really face is when people see the Shark Tank episode and they think that, we, you know, that means we've made it or I'm a personal millionaire already or, you know, that Mark Cuban is part of my sales team and they can, like, just have him show up to anything that I want him to or, yeah, you know, yeah. like. A lot of the things with Shark Tank, of course. But yeah, I mean, I, I personally had an amazing Shark Tank experience, as we talked about when it happened. We know of other companies that haven't had as positive experience as we have at Shark Tank. But, you know, with us, with Mark Cuban and everything, I mean, I have nothing but gratitude for everything and all the opportunities you brought us. But but it still doesn't make your business an instant overnight success, you know, and, and you can't just call on him whenever you want. And yeah. Yep, it's seen as this mark of validation. I mean, it is a mark of validation in a lot of ways, but I think you're right. A lot of people get the assumption that uh, you're a multimillionaire once you, as soon as you walk off that stage. Right, exactly. There's a lot of work to be done from there. And, you know, now it's six years later and we're still working hard at it. You know, it's, uh, it's tough to have your own business, but it's, I will say, like, it's been such a grind over these years. But now that we're at the point where, like I said earlier, that, the scale is finally hitting and I get to hire these incredible people to take my vision and, and make it a global phenomenon. And, and that's like worth all of the grind for sure. And close to doubling the business or, you know, roughly every year it's, it sounds like, and I mean, it sounds like you guys are just doing a phenomenal job. So a strange year, but all sorts of good nuggets to take away from, um, from the experience that you guys have got going on at future proof. So Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But Amy, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much. Amy Stedman, founder and chief operating officer of Future Proof Brands, joining us. Thank you for downloading Texas Business Minds, presented by the Texas Business Journals and brought to you by Texas Mutual Insurance Company a workers' comp provider committed to helping companies build a stronger, safer Texas.